Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well... Hello there, Emily. <laughs> hello. You had me waiting in anticipation. I like, know, what you kind know of what? hello is it going to be today? It's just going to be, yeah. It's just hello, a, a hearty hello. I to like you. it. It's good. Yeah. Hello. It's a great day. It is a good it's day. Been wonderful weather. I know. Beautiful the last of it because we're getting weather. ready to go straight into another like week of rain and the river is going to continue to rise. It is pretty high. I wasn't mm-hmm. here in 1993 in St. Louis and so I didn't get to experience the the fear of the levees mm-hmm. breaking and the sandbagging and stuff, but boy that Mississippi River is very very high at the arch. Alton, Grafton like a Practically underwater, underwater, yeah, and then down by in my neighborhood, River de Pere is like a like a trash, mm-hmm. um, floating trash dumpster. It is absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, I'm sad for the arch grounds because they just finished it. You know, it's like all yeah. new plants and trees and bushes and well, you know, yeah. I think that um, the picture I saw it hasn't gotten up into the new area yet. It's mm-hmm. still up on the steps. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't gotten to the top step yet. So, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, yeah. But there's um, there's like a lot of like I read about somebody today out in St. Charles who had to get to his house in a boat. Oh my I, I like Portage de Sioux area and. Um, the water was already to the second floor. Oh, I don't know how you, geez. how that doesn't just end up being a total loss, and you wipe your hands and and you right. know, move to high ground. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, it's crazy. Right, yeah. But other than other than the flooding, other than that, everything's rain wonderful. And the thunderstorms and the hail <laughs> and the sewer backups because MSD is overloaded. You right. know, with transfer stations, you know, going out of power and stuff. You know. It's pretty good Things to be are here. Great. It's great to be here in St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doing uh, our podcast. Yeah. Talking absolutely. to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about today's conversation. We've got a really delicious bottle of wine that our friends at the wine merchant helped us pick out. Should we mm-hmm. talk about that in a bit? Yeah. Let's uh okay. let's mention it and then I will introduce our guest. Fantastic. I- Yay! All right. So today we're going to Chile for our wine. Uh, the label is La Pincoya. It's a red blend uh, from the Colchagua Valley. In this red blend, we've got a combination of Cabernet Sauvignon grape, Caminere, and Syrah. Um, I this is a oh, this particular year it's a 2016. You're gonna find this um, around the United States in that up to twenty dollar price point. We can get it here in St. Louis for fifteen dollars. So without having right. to sell our firstborn. That's right. That's that's the best thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. This is um you know a really uh, interesting wine. I'm you know like on the nose. I, right away I get some um, tobacco. Um, I even get like. Um, a little leather and, you know, some of those nice dark red fruits and berries like the red plum and or ripe plum, excuse me, some blueberry, blackberry, dark cherry. 
Um, and then, you know, like on the palate, that tobacco still comes through, a little peppery. I'm even getting like this mintiness on the back. I find these tannins to be nice and mature and this really nice long finish on this. What are you getting, Michelle? Uh, well, it's very robust in my mind, mm-hmm. but it's not heavy. Like, oh, like you're suffocating underneath it. Yeah, it's it. soft. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, um, it smells delightful. It, I drink it fantastic. I mean, like, I don't have any problems drinking this mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. I like how you talk. It has a nice long finish. Don't we wish everything had a nice long finish oh. on it? <laughs> Yes, we do. This is not something that's going to be a three minutes and out kind of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really mm. love that. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of like, it almost also has like a little fast. bit of a rosemary kind of thing mid palate, too. I don't know what mm. I, I would, this is like a, um, I see a deep burgundy corset with, mm-hmm. um, um, like suspenders, garters, garter, yeah. garters for your suspenders for your um, for your stockings. stockings. Okay, yeah, your panties are optional on this one. I are you, think. Are you seeing any like? Oh, I don't know, accessories with this implements? Yeah, you know, um, soft fuzzy paddles or anything, feathers or anything like that. I I, <laughs> I think uh, it's really more like a like a real cool boa that goes. Oh yes, you know, yeah, I love a, that. A, probably like a, either a black boa mm-hmm. to highlight with the, the nice burgundy wine colored bustier that you're wearing. It's, this almost corset. sounds burlesque like with the boa and the Well, you know. I mean if I mean it could be burlesque-like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just be how I like to hang out on the couch on <laughs> Fridays and Saturdays with Netflix, too. Right. I mean, I mean I'm not, I don't judge. I, I, I don't I get classify. It. I don't label. I mean, you know, you say hanging out and watching Netflix. I say, you know, cleaning my house. <laughs> in, in my corset. And with my boa. With my boa. In my, uh, in my stockings right. on. So, yeah, it's very, very good. Um mm-hmm. And thank you to the wine merchant for recommending yeah. this. We haven't had a Chilean wine yet. Well, I knew that our guest today liked, um, you know, kind of soft but red wine. So. Robust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red wines so. that sort of talk to you. Oh. Don't you think? And it whispers sweet nothings whispers in your sweet ear. sweet nothings. Yeah. And have a nice long finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest today is Abby Kelman. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Thank you. Hello, Abby. Abby is an experienced attorney with a private practice devoted to representing clergy of all faiths in employment matters. She has been involved in the clergy community in the Reform Conservative Reconstructionist Renewal and Orthodox Movements. She spent her life surrounded by rabbis in the Conservative Reform and Orthodox and has a unique appreciation of their life's work and pressures. Now, get this. She's a daughter of a rabbi, a sister of two rabbis, the granddaughter of a rabbi, an aunt of a rabbi. Have I missed another one? Two grandfathers. Oh, both grandfathers were rabbis. One Orthodox, one Reform. Is there anybody on the male side that was not a rabbi? Not too many. What about on the female side? Well, my Orthodox family, they don't ordain women. So just the only rabbi in our family is my sister. And my niece. And your niece. Wow. And um, she grew up in New York City, and her Friday nights were filled with uh, car- 
Friday night table, not your Friday night card table, but it was filled with clergies of many faith, writers, musicians, politicians. I think like a salon kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, wow. it sounds created. Did the, oh, oh, fascinating. And she was a member of the faculty of St. Louis University School of Law. She's worked in the public and private sectors, including the Manhattan DA's office. Dun dun. Yeah. Dun dun. Dun dun. dun, dun. Law and order. And, wow. um, and the Anti Defamation League. Um, she graduated from the University, University of Pennsylvania and has been in St. Louis now for 28 years. There's a bunch of other things about yeah. it. She's admitted before the courts of New York, Missouri, and the Supreme Court. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have an immediate question. Yeah. And I might, I, I don't think I got all of the words in there. So help me out here. What is the conservative Orthodox reform movement? There's com- commas. Oh, okay. I'm like, <laughs> is this a bit? Okay. All right. Now that although, makes more sense. Although, okay. I will say there are those that feel that the, the Jewish world is, is what they call post denominational, that it's no longer the denominations, you know, running from left to right. Don't, they, they've merged so much. But in this particular case, I, I read it Michelle too fast. was pointing out that <laughs> I have worked in all those different worlds. Oh, got it. Okay, all right. But uh, but, but you do pick up uh, there is a there is a blending of a lot of those um, movements or the segments kind of coming together. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And we met um, for our listeners. We met Abby through a mutual friend of um, Emily's and and mine. Uh, through improv classes, Peter, mm-hmm. her husband, and he was talking about her one night after improv class. And I was like, I need to meet your wife. And I went to have her on our podcast because she sounds awesome. And so he set that up and we did. Yeah. We we got together. Yeah. We chit-chatted. Had a great dinner with yeah. our friend Stacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and here you are today. Yeah, and I still got the invitation. You still got the invitation. <laughs> I know. We had to push it back, though, because you did a lot of traveling. I did. I, and did, I did a lot of traveling. Lot, and, and I'm so sorry about yeah. your mom passing yeah. away, yeah. like, oh. right after you got back from visiting her. Oh. Literally. Did, what, was it expected? Well, she was almost 96, so one would think it would be expected, but it really wasn't. She was, you know, chugging along at 95, and um, oh. she was not trending in the right direction. <laughs> But as we say, but yeah. uh, no, it was it was it was, it was a set, surprise. Yeah, and I literally came home ten days later, went back for the right. funeral, which was a whole other doing it in Israel because she was living in Israel. At the time. Oh, that's what I was just going to ask with my you. siblings. Yes, so okay. I had to get back to Israel with, for the funeral for the period of mourning afterwards, and I came back. And you had a, you replicated the or a little bit, a couple of held days. Held it of, here. I did. But your mom's ashes or or her body she's is, buried, is, yep. is buried in Israel. She's buried in Israel, and my father is buried in the very holy state of New Jersey. Okay. Similar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just a, there's just a, a, an ocean, an ocean. Yep. dividing them. And what's funny is my sister pointed. We were debating what to, whether to move my dad to where my mom is because she's now buried right next to my my sister's in-laws, who she was very close to. Um, but my father's buried in a cemetery, a Jewish cemetery in New Jersey. And he um, had bought all these plots. And then as his friends from his Friday night salon died, he basically gave away these plots. Yeah. So as my sister said, he's surrounded by his friends. He's having a Shabbat, you know, Friday yeah. night dinner with all his, you know, writers and singers. There's yeah. Right there. He planned it that way. So unclear if we're going to move him at this point, but he's uh, he's happy. He's happy. And we, she's we, happy. Yeah, she was living there. She, my How mom lived years? there for 15 years. Wow. 
Wow. And, um, but it was... Um, Have you ever considered moving over to Israel? You know, when I was in high school, long ago and far away, um, I had a thought. I, everybody thought I was going to be the one that moved to Israel because I went during high school. And then I came back and was very interested in going to law school and um, decided I didn't want to move there, but my siblings did. <laughs> so go mm-hmm. figure. Okay. So, yeah, I so, do, you know, I've, even before my mom moved there, I would go there every year or every other year to see my siblings. How how often do you travel to Israel? Well, before my mom moved there, about every year, every year and a half. Mm-hmm. And when she was living there, two or three times a year. It's a lot. Wow. How long a, is the flight? It's about 11 hours there, 12 hours back. From, from like New, New York? York? From New York. Oh. It's... It's a hike. It's a hike. It. Uh, I was just kind of recovering from jet lag when I had to turn around and go back. Yeah. So you, you know, you have uh, generations of family that are there. So you have you. You go and you're almost reconnecting with family. When you oh, visit, my! Right? The family I grew up with is there. Both is it, my siblings okay. are there. They're both married. They have kids, grandkids. Okay. I have cousins there. So in some ways, I see more of my family there than yeah. I certainly do in St. Louis. And I still have family in New York, and now. My, I have Your kids. one and almost a second child who will be in New York. But for, to be with my nuclear family growing up, I have to go there. So I've never been. What does it look like and feel like there? So first of all, it's about the size of New Jersey. If you were, it's not that big a country. And it really, if you go way north, it's, it's cool. Up in the Golan Heights, for example, it's cool. And then you go all the way down and it's desert. Mm-hmm. I spend most of my time in Jerusalem, which is a city surrounded by hills, mm-hmm. which means it's freaking hot during the day in the summer, <laughs> but cool at night mm-hmm. and not terribly rainy. Um, you go to the coast, Tel Aviv, which is the main, I call it anywhere USA, except of course it's in Israel. It's a cosmopolitan city, mm-hmm. Rome, like any city, yeah. except they're speaking Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what people speak there. It's the language, although most people speak English also. And that looks like any bustling mm-hmm. city. Jerusalem is kind of its own. It's very hard to describe Jerusalem. It's a very different very, Does it, it feel European? It has deep European roots. It's just that it's it's a city where you really feel um, it's not a secular city. Like it's, okay. you, you feel the weight of history and the mm-hmm. weight of all the different religions that are fighting for their piece of turf. And then even within the Jewish community, there are a lot of issues between the the right and the left. So it's so. But the one interesting thing about Jerusalem, and then there are many, is that all the buildings have the same exterior. It's called Jerusalem Stone, and it looks tan, but when the sun hits it, you see pink, you see all these colors. So if you go around Jerusalem, every city has the same kind of exterior. You go to Tel Aviv, not so much. I'm sure depending on the time of the day, that is reflecting a different color. Yeah. Now, knowing that there's conflict of people fighting for their turf, does it feel different? dangerous at all when you visit or is it just so like you're just so used to so when i'm there on a day-to-day basis i'm not feeling you know i'm I'm not worried there has been times when there have been bus bombings and fun things like that um that's air quotes right (laughs) yes i was gonna say the minute fun came out of my mouth you know very upsetting things like that um, I will say, but when I'm there, I just go around and, you know, there's a, people often refer to, to Jerusalem in, in um, you live on two planes there. Um, the What's called in Hebrew, the Yerushalayim Shalmala, the Jerusalem on high, uh-huh. and the Jerusalem Shalmata, the Jerusalem that's lived on the ground. And I think it's a very lyrical city. So I think to survive there, you have to sort of, you live in both worlds. The day-to-day 
mm-hmm. of, you know, getting up, going to work, hoping nobody blows up your bus and going to a cafe and nothing happens to you. And Life goes on. That's the Jerusalem that's on the ground. A, that's the Jerusalem on the ground. Okay. And then it's it very much, it's a very spiritual place. So mm-hmm. I, I can't live there without the other. Because okay. otherwise, I run around twined. screaming, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. Because there's a lot of things that go on there that don't that are in addition to violence, other things. So it it takes a lot of grit to live in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and you have to try to, I think, maintain both the reality on the ground and the more spiritual aspect. And in fact, a lot of people have left Jerusalem because it's just a hard place to live. Right. Um, interesting. You had interesting. mentioned that it's. Um, a lyr- like a lyrical, mm-hmm. and so like right of me right away I think of music and mm-hmm. is there a musical sound of the city? Are there you know bells and music and well, how yeah. does the city sound? It's well in some ways it sounds very much like a city, but you also have you know the call to prayer by you know the Muslims. You have church bells ringing. You have you know, Hebrew spoken, Hebrew sung, mm-hmm. Hebrew prayed. And so it's really a cacophony of all these different different things. Plus, it's very much an international city. So I joke, I look like I live there. So at least once a day, somebody asks me for directions, like pick a language. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a city that brings, you know, Jews from a lot of different areas and yeah. also a lot of non-Jews. Mm-hmm. So you hear sounds of, you know, French, German, all kinds of stuff uh, going on. Um, it's not very built up. They have like some big hotels, but it's more, it's... It's Mm -hmm. doesn't have skyscrapers like uh, like a Chicago or New York. They are creating, not quite. They they are, they're recreating the sort of the entry to the city and they're moving a lot of government offices. So I think there will be more of these these bigger these bigger buildings but um it's becoming deaf it was always sort of seen as a sleepy kind of backwater town but you know it has a light rail system now and it's going to be mm. extended wow. um so i think it's trying to grow up in 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 that regard it's not it's not a i mean it it's it has it's sort of its borders have expanded into west bank areas for you know with, with, with a variety of consequences, right. um, but there's also exurbs. I mean, the city itself is very expensive to live in. So, for example, my niece, the rabbi, uh-huh. when she got married and wanted to buy an apartment, she couldn't afford Jerusalem. They okay. had to move like 20 minutes outside of Jerusalem. Yeah. Okay. So it's gotten very expensive. Is So how does how is the economy reflected in the type of homes and how are people living? Is it... Is there is there a broad range from rich to poor? Is there a good there's middle class? There's enormous poverty in Jerusalem because there's a very low. I mean, there's enormous wealth. Mm-hmm. I think that like the mega wealth is probably in my from what I know is more in Tel Aviv, which is more where you know the businesses and high tech and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. There's massive wealth there. Jerusalem does have wealth, but there's an enormous number of uh, Orthodox Jews with huge families, and they're often living below the poverty line. Mm, mm-hmm. So it is a city somewhat of extremes yeah. in that regard. I mean, there I say a lot of, kind of like New York, you know, like that middle is getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. And the neighborhoods, like the neighborhood my sister lives in, which was founded many, many years ago, essentially from German Jews, that has left and a lot of young Orthodox have come in. And it's become very, I think, oppressive to people who aren't that Orthodox. Mm. Interesting. And so you see a lot of people, you know, saying, I'm not dealing with Jerusalem anymore, I'm going to Tel Aviv. And now uh, Tel Aviv is literally a half an hour away. I mean, and, 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 and they're, they're finishing up their, a rail system to go from the airport 
um, to Jerusalem, so it'll be like 20 minutes, even, and it'll Master. extend to Tel Aviv. I just keep wishing they would do like a, a Hyperloop train between St. Louis and Kansas City. Oh, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chicago. And St. I mean, Louis and Chicago. Oh, my gosh. This to me, if they, if they did Chicago, because mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, two of my beauties are, are in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was curious, um, when you visit, uh, and, or your family moving over there, how, uh, how was it difficult for them as Americans making the transition, are they still Americans and they're just expatriates or are they Israeli citizens or is can you be both? And I apologize that I don't know. No, no. I th- it's a good question because on some level it depends who you ask. So my sister went when she was 21 and her, her plan was she had a job with a sociologist. She was going to live there for a year. And uh, we joked she was going to come back and marry a rabbi. That was a joke. She well, moved- because you were falling short on the number of yeah, rabbis yeah, in we your were, family. We family. <laughs> just, just a few more. So, uh, But she went to Israel met the man she ultimately married who is um, – you know, in the Air Force, the Israeli Air Force, who had just spent a year in America learning how to fly. Um, he was a pilot in the Air Force learning how to fly American helicopters. Okay. And the rest, as they say, is history. She ended up staying, went to school, and she eventually became a rabbi. So, and I think it helped that we are, all of us had pretty good Hebrew before we got there, so we could speak the language. Um, and that helped my siblings. I th- and then my brother graduated from rabbinical school and then went to Israel, essentially to escape sort of the... My father's very long shadow in New York. I think my okay. brother felt the need to sort of stake his claim. Someplace else. Some, someplace else. Kind of far, but okay. Mm. Um, Your father has a really big shadow. Yeah, he does actually. <laughs> and in Israel too, but that's another topic. <laughs> so I think they were able to acclimatize because they, A, spoke the language. They were very much interested in getting part, becoming part of Israeli society. There are, there are enclaves in Israel where it's like all Americans. Okay. Or, or Angelinos, mm-hmm. and so you're never really brought in to to, to Israeli society. Um, look, they speak with their Hebrew is flawless, but they speak with an American. It's yeah. certainly a slight mm-hmm. American accent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they consider themselves both American and Israeli. You know, they vote in Israeli elections, but they vote in American elections. Okay. Um, uh, so they didn't have to renounce anything. No, America will allow you to be a um, an Israeli citizen. It, more interesting to me is my nephew, my nephew, my brother-in-law, who's m- even more interesting. His mother moved to Israel in 1949 when Israel wow. was had just been declared a state. Right? It was wow. not yet third world. Right. That came later. Yeah, I went to Israel for the first time in 1963. It was not yet third world. My father went on sabbatical, and I was very little. And when did it become third world? If you were there I in sixty three, probably became more third world. Like it was inch, inching into third world by like the seventies, and by the nineties, it was Western. That's amazing. That's You've fast. seen the complete transformation in such a short amount of time. But so their cell phone. I mean, you this whole. I mean, what? How? Okay, what led to its transformation in such a quick period of time? I I think a lot of hard work, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of ingenuity, a lot of uh, there's a lot of high tech stuff that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Openness to f- moving forward. Yeah, because I think if countries, if they're not open to yeah. moving forward, they can re- you remain. Know, you, it's a very very highly educated population. Yeah. Also, I think an- another thing is that all the males have to go into the army. The, the women too, but they're they can get out of it. And I think you have Because if you have uh, bone spurs, you don't have to go. That's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's um it brings everybody in um, and they all have a common experience of having been in the IDF together. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps with 
at least it used to help have sort of a central identity. I think that has fractured somewhat mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah. Um, um, I would imagine that would make it even more difficult for an outsider to come in. Like if you have not paid your dues in a sense, right? I think it right? depends what age, right. Like my brother moved to Israel and he was in his late 20s and he did the army. He did the army anyway. He did it for like oh. four months. Okay. My sister never did the army, but that wasn't... That wasn't it, it wasn't as big a deal for, for, for women, but I think it is it is a common experience and it is mm-hmm. that is definitely an acculturating experience having all served served in the army. Um, um, I, I, I think that when you the, the question about are they Israeli are they Americans? Um, are they expatriates or are they like literally like dual citizens? Dual citizens. Yes. They're really, I would say my siblings are definitely both and they all have children and now grandchildren. And I see their children as more global citizens. They, okay. they easily move between, like I have a niece who's a, a professor at Ben Gurion University in Beersheba, which is down south. She got her PhD at um, uh, Berkeley in comparative literature. Um, I think I'm not going to get this right. It, she her PhD her thesis had what to do with female Polish lesbian women poets from the 30s, something wow. like that. Very cool. Oh very, my gosh! Yeah, and she, her, her, yeah, very I, niche. I, she has read her poetry <laughs> to me. It's rather. Actually, about two weeks before my mother died, she read some of the poetry to my mother. It was hilarious. I mean, it's pretty raunchy stuff in Polish. Uh, that in Yiddish. In Yiddish, it was okay. that was the language that they wrote, and they wrote in Yiddish. Wow, go figure. Oh my but anyway, gosh. so I really see my my those kids. Um, so they're ten grandchildren, particularly my brother and sister's children. They go back and forth to the U.S. a lot. Uh, my kids a little less so because they, they were born and raised well, but they, here. They go, but they've done a lot, quite a yeah. bit of travel. So I, I think they consider themselves dual citizens. I think a lot of natives consider my siblings Americans. Sure, of and course. there's real cultural differences between American Jews and Israeli Jews. It's fascinating. Wow. Wow, they're just different. Well, um, I was, you know, curious what your reaction to the the latest news with Netanyahu not being able to like form a Yahoo. government. Well, I yes. So, like, what's going to happen? If they're you can do, tell us, yeah, yeah. So what? I, so the reason Netanyahu was able to um, form a government is so his party is Likud, and the, there's another major party that's. Not it's maybe a little t- more to the left of him, um, and they got the same number of seats in the most recent election. But Netanyahu was supposedly better able to form the government, so the president allowed him to form a gave him the option to to, co- to create the coalition. Right, and that's been a major problem because Netanyahu is only too happy to get into bed with very right wing, very extreme, yeah, extremists who. Um, he holds some very extreme views. And on a personal level, a lot of the people he's willing to go into a coalition with are people who don't believe there's any other version of Judaism except Orthodox Judaism, which, you know, but it's pretty much disenfranchises my whole family. And I think it, it, they, they, they don't believe in pluralism. Okay. In any event, he was not able to form a government. Yeah. And now they're going to do elections again, which, have, which has never happened before. So... Like the Democrats, I hope <laughs> the left in Israel can get their act together because yeah. I, um, I'm not a Netanyahu fan. I, uh, I think he's worse than Trump personally because he's way smarter. Yeah, mm. he's yeah, not one of my favorites. 
Well, ladies, I'd love to take a brief break really quickly because we all have empty glasses. I know. We still need to get Abby's uh, take on the wine. So we need to give her some more. Yes, Yes. definitely. Okay, so let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Thank you uh, for letting us take that brief break. We have all been given our fair share. Fair share of this (laughs) Chilean wine, yet I still took a really big swig of it on break. And so now I'm sitting here with like half as much as you guys. I'm going to try to make it last uh, as long as as you. Yes. But uh, Abby, before we went on break, we said we had not gotten your reflection and your comments on this wine. What do you think? I... um, I have a very sophisticated analysis of this wine. Oh. I've given it quite a lot of thought. Okay. I really like it. <laughs> uh, that, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me. I got to process I got to write, yeah, it, yeah, write this yeah, down. Yeah. I'm not really good with the whole blueberry leather raspberry thing. I just know that I like wine that is um, very flavorful but light. And I love blends, so mm-hmm. I'm loving. I'm loving this. Would you so, buy this and keep it at your house? Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah this is definitely something I would buy. Yeah, because it, it goes down easy. It uh, it um, has character. Yeah, yeah, it just has a lot. It has a lot of flavor to it, which I like. But mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I don't like if it were like it was all cab. That that gets too heavy for me. Mm-hmm. That's why right. I love. I love the blends, and I and I guess I do. Like I like to drink like a lot of Malbec. Yeah, that kind of stuff. The kind right. of, the, I guess the fruitier, the fruitier, more supple kind yeah. of. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Me. This is yeah. Uh-huh. This is a kind of a supple kind of wine. Mm-hmm. It's good... not harsh. It's not fighting back. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I really like. It's just. Going it's not down like, s- hey, guess what? You're drinking me. That right. kind of like statement. Yeah, I don't like when you drink it and like it's very biting. Yeah. I, I don't like wine like that. It's I, not the denim panty of wines. God, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we've drank or, anything. Or, what, or the, what was the Bustier thing? Getting back to Bustier's. Yeah. That, um, you know, um, what's her name? Um, yes, I can see her right now. I'm um, looking at her yeah, and I'm going to yeah, start singing yeah, when, be- yeah, when um, Beneath My Wings, right? No, no, um, no, 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 not her. Not the other one. Um, not her. Madonna. Oh, Madonna oh, and her Bustier. with the pointed. Yeah. The pointed. Yes. Yeah. Are you kind thinking of, of Bette Midler? I was, yeah, yeah, I was obviously thinking of Bette Midler and, um, and, uh, that one movie. Well, she does in Beaches. There is yeah. a Beaches. song. Right. Yeah, that's right. There is Wind a song. Beneath My Wings. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah. no, there's a song. The over-the-shoulder boulder holder yeah. about yeah. the bra. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I'm going for subtle. This is a subtle. I like not, it. Not, not smacking the shit out of me. No. <laughs> Which makes it, like, really easy to it drink. Makes it very dangerous, which means I'm going to drink a lot of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I obviously yeah. have... Yeah. Been taking bigger swallows than you guys, but and uh, yeah, no, I, um, <laughs> I'm watching my children start to enjoy wine. Oh, and it's cute. How old are your children? Twenty. The baby is twenty. Okay, she's about to. She'll be done with her sophomore year in college in about a week. Um, the next one is twenty-two. She just graduated from college. Mm. Go Terriers. Yeah, it was really nice. I sobbed through the whole thing, just the whole thing. Because this, <laughs> this is my kid who really, you know, chewed on broken glass to get to get okay. to the finish line. Wow. wow. She struggled. And, and you she, have four kids? I have four. And then I have a son. 
the the dating machine in New York. Okay, right. We heard about him. With the, with the you know, swipe left, as swipe a, right. Sisters as a babe magnet. Okay. And uh, and then my oldest is twenty eight. She's the one who's is a pod, also a podcaster. Oh, wow. Amongst amongst other things, but she seems to be veering a little bit towards podcasting and working in the Jewish world, which means she may have to steal the title of the book that I'm going to write one day that maybe my sister will read called "You Can Run But You Can't Hide." Oh, you know, try to escape our. You know, your, your roots, my, escaping my roots. Why? I don't know. But did you, yeah. so you tried to escape your roots at one yeah, time in life? Sure. What, what, what stage of your life or well, has this happened multiple times? Certainly. Yeah. There have been, she still know? tried to escape her roots actually <laughs> being on our show, yeah, right, Emily. Yeah, She's right. trying to just reinvent herself. That's right. I would say that I, well, I didn't go in the family biz. You know, I didn't become, I, became I mean, a was there pressure? To become well, a rabbi? No, when I was growing up, women couldn't be rabbis. Okay. And then uh, I had said, when I was 16, I told my parents I wanted to go to law school. And they went, okay. I was very lucky. I was brought up by, my parents were both feminists. And when I said to my parents I want to go to law school, they went, sure. Yeah. And I was very lucky, really lucky. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really want to do anything. But yeah, I would say I wasn't all that interested in my Jewish life. Kind of came back in my life. Late 20s, early 30s. Is that when you started then doing works for clergy? And that for... came a little later. I okay. did work for Anti-Defamation League as a Jewish organization. I tried working for a Jewish organization. I wanted to run out of their screaming. Uh, Jewish did you come back to your Jewish roots when your children, when you started having your children? Before, actually a little bit before, but certainly my kids were more more, more of a draw. I mean, I wouldn't say I had a, a full-on, um, I didn't have a full-on rebellion. Rebellion. I just was sort of. My father cast a very long shadow mm-hmm. as a father, as a rabbi, as a role model, as a mentor. And I think, like my brother, we all sort of tried to find our ways to mm-hmm. your own find to our get out from underneath it, out from under in our own way, yeah, in our own way, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I did, and then he died when I was thirty-three. Oh, that's so young yeah, for really. you. Mm-hmm. That, that my mother dying at ninety-five, almost ninety-six. Sad. Not tragic. Really right. sad, but not tragic. Yeah. He was 66. That was more tragic. Heart attack, something like no, that. No, he had malignant melanoma. Oh. Was oh. gone in eight months. Oh, my wow. gosh. Terrible. Whoa. That lasts. That kind of uh, grief will yeah, stay it with did. you. It, it did. It was, it was. Well, that time I did the, and my feeling about grief is you can pay now or you can pay later. Mm-hmm. So with that, I decided to pay later. That was a mistake. How did it, how did it show up for you when, you, when it finally came through? When you oh, when you let it well, come. I was very angry that he died. I was really annoyed, you know, really angry at God, whomever, and I was just um, just resentful, scre- very angry. I was very angry, and I knew I'd reached the like the zenith of my anger when I got on the phone with some lawyer who made a really dumb mistake, and I like completely ripped the guy's head off. Mm. And he probably he deserved, deserved it. He deserved like, it, but yeah. it was. I don't tend to do that. And I went, okay, all right. I got, I got to get a handle on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I was pregnant, and I had our daughter, so mm-hmm. our oldest, Hannah. Yeah. So, but with my oh, mother, so so your father passed before you met your kids. I'm not a big believer in cosmic clicking, but I did. Um, when I got up, you know, the, we had his funeral. We had his shiva. You know, the seven days of mourning, mm-hmm. and you. Literally, you literally get up from Shiva. Like physically, you get up, you walk outside. The rabbis got this one right. A lot of other stuff, not so much, or some things, not so much. This one, like the the ritual related to mourning, the rabbis really understood human nature. And I literally did a pregnancy test and learned I was pregnant. I said, wow. okay, I can't figure. Like cosmic clicking, I don't know. Yeah. Well, do, um, 
I'm under the impression, and correct me, obviously, if I'm wrong, uh, that in the Jewish tradition, because I don't know which uh, denomination or uh, you don't name a child after a living relative. Correct. Yeah. That is, oh, that is a custom, a custom. of Jews okay. from Europe. So okay. I am a Jew. I am related. I, my father's family came from Europe. I said my mother's. So, yes. Yeah, so we wouldn't name a child after. I mean, it's just a custom. Okay, Sephardic so Jews who are, who are Spanish, they, they actually do name it after living people. Okay. But most of the people I know. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I did not want to I really wanted to name a son after him. Okay. But what I did with our daughter, we named, we liked the name Hannah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In fact, Peter had told me years before we had a baby, he goes, I want to name a kid Hannah. I'm like, oh, what the, okay, okay. All right. Are we going to have a kid? Anyway, we named her Hannah, but we named, her middle name is Grace. Okay. Because my father loved the song Amazing Grace. Oh. So that's how you, t- how you incorporated and, him. Yeah. So her name is Hannah Grace. Yeah. And because... And her name in Hebrew, Hannah, and Hannah is a Hebrew name. Hannah means grace. The translation oh. of Hannah is grace. I didn't know okay. that. So, like you know, catch twenty two. She would have been Hannah Hannah. Right, right. So we made her middle name Dila, which means happy, because oh. right. You tracking with me? My maternal grandfather's name was Felix, which means which happy, is happy and joyous, or happy, okay. happy. Oh, okay, Felicia. yeah. So she is Hannah Grace. Yeah. Hannah Gila. Oh my gosh, that's so, so beautiful. We spent a lot of time, us Jews, with the whole names and what it all means and who you're after and all. Okay. And then, so then when I had a son, we had a son. My father's name was Wolf. I said to my mom, I cannot name my son Wolf. He had anglicized his own name from Europe. So what was his European name if his angle? Belville was his name in Yiddish. Belville. See, that's like a cool name. Yeah. I mean, Wolf isn't bad. Yeah. And Zev, his Hebrew name. He had a Hebrew name. He had a Hebrew and a Yiddish name. But his family went to Canada when he was seven. So then he anglicized his own name. Okay. So we gave our son. So Felix's name, right? Back to my grandfather. Felix Alexander. Mm -hmm. So we named our son Alexander Zev. Alexander Zev. Zev oh, is nice. him. That is beautiful. Okay, I'm going to ask a really, really silly there question. No, there are no silly questions. Yeah, people say that, but <laughs> I'm going to ask <laughs> But one. we have managed yeah. to ask quite a few on this podcast. Because, I have, yeah. I yeah. have indeed. I'm easy. <laughs> Just <Okay>. not cheap. <laughs> so, you know, y- Yiddish and, you know, what are the, like, how different is that of a language Wait, from... that's not a dumb question. Okay. okay. Yiddish is an amalgam it was like a like a pigeon light pigeon p i d g i n of hebrew and german so okay. jews that lived in poland for example this is amalgam of german and hebrew became yiddish so i oh. yiddish sounds like german but it's written with hebrew letters so i can read yiddish can oh, you pronounce it usually but i don't i understand the parts that are more hebrew so for okay. example in New York now, there's a production of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Oh, They're wow. doing the whole production in Yiddish. It was written. It's based on stories written in Yiddish. Right. So my sister went. Are there songs in Yiddish Everything's too? Everything's in Yiddish. Like Amazing. if I were a rich man yeah, yeah. is all in all in Yiddish. But same. It's the same, same melody. Thing. So and my and I think they um you know they have they have the, like a the, libretto the, the, the libretto in, in right. English. Yeah. Uh, okay. My sister said she was able to understand it because of Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my father spoke Yiddish, but he did not believe you should teach it to the next generation, which was really. Too bad. That was very common. My father was an immigrant. Well, yeah, they, they ever, we shouldn't teach it. They to were them. shedding their. They wanted right. to acclimate. They were shedding their you don't old teach ways. Teach your kids Yiddish, which was right. really too bad because there's wonderful literature in Yiddish. So it's mm-hmm. funny that my niece, 
getting back to my niece Zohar, um, you know, who's reading Yiddish erotic poetry. From Poland. From Poland. Go figure. Anyway, so that's what Yiddish is. So there's Hebrew, there's German, there's Yiddish, which is a combination. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's weird about Yiddish, like I said, it sounds like a German, you know, it sounds like German, but it's written in Hebrew letters. Fascinating. Oh, that is interesting. And I wish, and I wish I spoke it, or I. Well, I don't know any good curse words. Just a few. Do you think Yiddish would go the way of like Latin with people not speaking Latin, but it's the basis of things? I mean, I guess Hebrew would be the basis, or German is the basis. But well, interestingly, in a lot of very Orthodox communities, that's what they speak. Yiddish. Is Yiddish? So, so it's still it, a living language okay. in some parts of the world, and I think there's been a. Um, there's been a renaissance of a lot mm. of Yiddish stuff because there's like is I that said, because of the literature and all of the art, great and literature, all of that. plays, okay. poetry, um, right? So and poetry of lesbian porn from the 30s and Poland, right? Yeah, right. Right. yeah. Like fame and fortune <laughs> from my knees. Zohar right. Wyman Kelman, go get her book. But her book is called Wait, Wait, Wait. It's called Queer Expectations. Okay, well we'll find it. Great we'll expectations. It. Queer expectations. Queer expectations. Well, what would be. Uh, Two Yiddish words that no blonde hair, blue-eyed uh, Catholic girl from the states could go without. Like, what should I oh, know? Schlep. schlep, schlep. Oh, we say that. Yeah, I didn't know that was well, that's a Yiddish. lot of Yiddish. Yeah. Already schlep, schlep. The yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see, schlep is a big one. Um, let's see, what's another one that's clean? Um, it doesn't matter. We're on a podcast. Yeah, I was going to think. I, I kind of uh, want schmuck. That. If you call somebody a schmuck, that's a, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Oh, really? Okay. Goodness gracious. Um, a non-Jewish male is, um, it's not particularly, it's it's derogatory, is a shagitz. Okay. Shagitz. You guys would be referred to, again, a little derogatorily as shiksas. I've heard of shiksas. I've heard of that. It's not a nice word. Sounds like things are starting with a S-C-H. I'm telling Schlepp, you. Schlep, schmuck, yeah. shiksa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, and Yiddish has really a lot of, it has, a lot of Yiddish words have made it into normal day-to-day. Shtetl, you know the word shtetl? You know what that no, word I don't. means? So a shtetl, so a shtetl is a small like community. Um, okay, so how do I describe this? So my grandparents came from the shtetl in Poland. It was these small villages, this whole area dotted with these little villages. You know, so, kind of rural, not rural as much as um, you know. Think of like small town America, like Webster sh- Groves. Smaller. Think of like like, like uh, Potosi or like or something even like, like Martha, Texas. Something just this little <laughs> Madrid, yeah. little closed community, right? A very closed okay. community. That's a shtetl, like St. Louis. St. <laughs> Louis is a big. Well, so for example, I'll give you an example using the word shtetl in more common parlance. We bought a house about a year ago, and. Just so happens we bought it down the street from a very good friend, from very good friends of ours, which is really fun. You'll see. I mean, I literally, we have all these rules about driving. They're about two blocks from us. We have lots of rules. You have to walk except if it's raining, if it's dark, if you're carrying something, if you're going to and from. We have a lot of We end up driving right. so, <laughs> to their house two blocks away. Correct. Which yeah. is ridiculous. You should walk. Yes. We you should get def- a wagon That's right. and pull it. And another friend of ours. Also is moving into the neighborhood. So we joke, we're creating our own shtetl. Oh, yeah. That's our shtetl. So let me translate this to um, the blonde hair, blue eyed girl, uh, Aryan, you know, Scandinavian, Irish, Scottish. Hey, as long girl. as you can try to kill my relative, my ancestors. I did. We're good. We're I did. good. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Oh. No, yeah, I, good. Thank I, you. I, I got none of that in yeah. my um, no, neither in do my I. Jeans. 
But uh, so I'm looking at buying a condo in Emily's neighborhood. I know, I'm so excited. So we're going to be That would be like, you're we're creating, creating a, you're starting to create a yes. And if we can get some more people I'm telling you, to buy in the neighborhood. It's really a nice thing because where we used to live was a very lovely, but, and we knew our neighbors and my friends were kind of hither and yon kind of thing. Not not too far. You know, I, I, I tell people that when I moved to St. Louis, I did something I never would have done. You stayed. Growing up in Manhattan. <laughs> well, that's yeah. A. B, I committed an act of self-segregation. Oh, well, because in New By York, not you can kind of feel Jewish fi- sort of anywhere. Sure. Because it's got such a heavy Jewish population and presence. I never felt like I had to specifically live in an area. To be mm. Jewish. To feel mm. Jewish and not feel, or, 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 or to, not to feel not Jewish. But St. Louis is a lot like the rest of America, and there's definitely Jewish areas. Oh, there's Like, I never live in yeah. Webster, not because it's not lovely. There's no, there's not really a Jewish community. There are mm-hmm. no synagogues. There's none of the things I would need for a Jewish community. So I bought yeah. in an area, which was... B- Bizarre for me, completely bizarre thing to actually do that, to commit an act of self-segregation. But I, I think that that's sad that more people aren't adventurous and um, seek out more diversity in the neighborhoods. You know, I, there's a... Yeah. There's well, I don't a, know. I, I, I mean, it, I, it has its definite, definite negative things by committing an act of self-segregation. But I was raising children and I wanted them to be in an area where the synagogues were, where the JCC sure. was, where the supermarkets carried kosher food. Mm, so do sure. I move to Webster, which is lovely, and feel more like an outsider? Mm-hmm. Or do I live in an area that, I mean, where my kids grew up was like half and half. Yeah. But it's like in that corridor, that West County yeah. corridor. Right. Yeah. Right. It no, was. It was. I can see the un- debate. I. Yeah. I have a, a neighbor that is going to be um, putting his house on the market, and it's it's, you know, he's he's there. He is of Asian descent. There's no one else in the neighborhood currently of that, and I think he just doesn't feel like he relates to the neighborhood very well. And I think that's sad. I I love seeing lots yeah. of cultural well, diversity in an area. The building that I grew up in. So I grew up in a big, you know what they call pre-war apartment building in New York. There were three apartments on my floor. So there was us, the rabbi's family. There were the Shinees who were in Indian from India. Like they used to make, we used to oh, just like yeah. stand and like, <laughs> can we just smell it? Yeah. And we're going to have dinner with them tonight. Yeah, that's then. right. And, and a, I don't know if you know this term, John Birch Society types, you know, very right wing. Waspy? No, like Catholic. Oh. Catholic, very right wing. Okay. That was the third family. We all got along. We all loved each other. My best friend lived two floors down, a very upper middle class, See, have black family. more of that, you create a layer of understanding. Exactly. Uh, or a thread well, of understanding, you know, across cultures, if, which now you can get those conversations happening. Now you can... Yeah. Well, I now. think it, when we, in the intro, when talking about the, the Friday nights or the, you know, the around the table mm-hmm. in your, like these Our salons. Sabbath, that was Friday night is when Jews do their big Sabbath meal. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's when my father, my parents would invite neighbors, Jews, non-Jews, neighbors, writers, politicians, musicians, actors, singers, mm-hmm. um, cab drivers, you know, and, students. And you just sit around and you have the meal and you talk and you drink your wine right. and, and, and you, you celebrate each other. Right. There's enough, you know, food to choke a horse because that's <laughs> right. what my mother had to do. Right. I mean, oh, right. Oh my gosh. massive quantities of food. And my father always brought people home and said to my mom, okay, there's two more. Yeah. Great. Why? Where am I going to put Th- them? That's right. Yeah. There was always enough food, shockingly. Yeah. Um, and it was a great way. And, you know, clergy of all faiths, I grew up the occasional felon. 
we had our share of felons at our table. Really? Yes, we did. Well, tell me about know. that. Well, like, my father was the rabbi of last resort for a lot of people who um, got themselves into trouble. And okay, so is that? I mean, is that an official title? No, or no. Okay, no. I was like, no, because my father believed. <laughs> What's in Yiddish for that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, he was—he was an amazing guy, and he really believed. I joke, you know, I was a prosecutor, so I believe, you know, you know. If you're da-dum. lucky, three strikes and you're out. People you're for, at law and order. Yeah, da-dum. for him, which he totally never got, which for him, people got infinite number of chances. You just got, and if you, mm-hmm. if you he was a wonderful, Loving. you know, pastor with a little P in that regard. Very, He ran a Jewish organization, but he, he felt if people came to him and they wanted help, he would help them. So people who got themselves into trouble, who found, found, you know, talk about air quotes, found religion, and he would help them. And eventually he'd get them tutors and they'd show up, you know, for Friday night. So we met a whole variety of interesting people, interesting people who'd gotten themselves in trouble and then would ask my father to write a letter on their behalf to the sentencing judge. Now I got mm-hmm. hip to this. I'd say, Daddy, you are not writing a letter. And then, of course, mm-hmm. he did. But he was a wonderful guy. He yeah. he, uh, mm-hmm. he really believed in the you know people were not never irredeemable in his eyes. Well, and and I mean, was that letter written? Um, you know, when that was written, did you see actual change in somebody? Oh God, did you no. Kn- no, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> oh God, no. Oh God, no. But, but he 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 didn't I, care. He thought, and and it was interesting because he. He was a very sensitive guy, and he got hurt a lot, you know. I, learning from that, steeled myself a little more. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had—talk about grace. He had a sense of grace and love of people that was so genuine that drove us all batshit. Batshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, Daddy, why are you getting involved with this? But that was him. And it was a wonderful characteristic. Mm. And he—it uh, missed me and went directly to my— d- Daughter. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, sometimes those generational, generational uh, skips that yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not that even... baldness, yeah. you know, usually skips mm-hmm. a generation. Well, um, Abby, what kind of things do you have coming down that you're looking forward to doing? Or, you know, what mm. are you planning to do? I know you said you've been renovating your home. We have been. Um, you and Peter for a year now? Yes, a year. And we're almost done. Now we're moving on to, I mentioned we're moving on to buying furniture. So we're looking forward to actually getting our house in a more usable space. We can have you guys over on a Friday night absolutely I'll bake challah my mother's you know bread I love challah my mother it's my mother's recipe it's amazing actually my aunt's recipe but my mother made it so I'm looking forward I really one of the things with all our selling you know putting that on the market and I really I miss I don't have the salon the way my folks did for a whole number of reasons um, but that doesn't mean you can't in the future. So uh, yeah, so I look forward to start doing that again. That's very I really really enjoy doing that. Uh, I'm going to be doing some travel. Our our baby Adina is going to Prague for a semester. Oh, wow! Nice. So, so I'm going to go. That's I plan exciting. to go to Europe now. Yeah. With when my mother was alive, I was going to Israel two and three times a year. It, it, it it's going to sound terrible, but it's like I never got to go anywhere else because I needed to be with her, which I loved and I right. really miss now. Right. But my schedule's opened now up. Now you a little can bit. explore. It's opened up, and but, actually, yeah. my sister. One of the things my sister and I, she, she and I are very close, is meeting in Europe. Like yeah. let's Fun meet in Paris. Time. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing some travel oh. in Europe with. Either my sister or my, your daughter my daughters. And I'll still go to Israel because I, you know, I feel yeah. very attached to the country yeah. for all kinds of reasons, family and all that kind of stuff. Um, so travel. 
Um, I'm going to take our third one, and don't ask me names. I have no idea what their names are. That's okay. No. I always refer to them, my children <laughs> by numbers, no, too. Yeah. It's so easier. Number, number three, Emma, is moving to New York for the year, so I'm going to take her to New York. Okay. So that'll be exciting. Wow. And I may uh, get to see my son. He and I are, gonna, we're, he and I are planning some baseball games together. If he's, yes, if he's available. Not dating. If he's <laughs> available. Right. Um, you might have to swipe right on him just to get a date. Don't, you know? don't laugh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, oh, that's my son. But I'm going to swipe right anyway. All right. So, yeah. And just finish. <laughs> what? You didn't like me back? <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I'm telling you. He's, he's uh, grown up because it used to be I'd get these like one... Like grunt, you, I didn't know you could grunt in texts. <laughs> now I get these like ex, like I'll, I wish my children a Shabbat Shalom every Friday night. Okay, and what does that mean? That means have a good Sabbath. Oh, okay, good Sabbath. Shabbat, that's Hebrew. Shabbat is Sabbath. Shalom okay. means peace. So a okay. Sabbath of peace. Yeah, it's a greeting you would say to somebody. Okay, um, and. Uh, uh, I used to send it by group, but my son would never answer. So now I have to do it individually, <laughs> including the boy, the boy, my daughter's mm-hmm. boyfriend, because we like him. Oh, we want to okay. keep him. The boy, him. also named Peter. Oh, oh. Hannah's, Hannah's, hilarious. That'll be easy. Hannah's boyfriend's name is Peter. Is he Jewish as well? Peter Fogel. Yes, we're very happy. Oh, but also, okay. he's a lovely guy. He's a, he's a lo- we, we <laughs> lovely, lovely guy. We'll keep him. We'll keep him. Um, but anyway, Alex will now respond with like. Um, and I'll say, oh, you know, Shabbat Shalom, have a great weekend, talk tomorrow. And I'll get these text messages like, yes, you know, like exclamation. I'm like, who's answering his texts? You know, mm. either that or he grew up unclear. Mm. Well, that's uh, well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. That, it is. Uh, he, no, he's a good guy. He's he's he's. He should call his mother a little more often. <laughs> you know, I think he's Isn't listening to our podcast true? and he right. just now wrote well, that down and he, said, call my mom more often. Well, he's funny because he'll say to me, mom, you know, sometimes you call me and I'm out, like, get a bite. You know, look, he's 24. I'm, I'm yeah. not checking up on him. <laughs> right. Because, mom, if I've been out drinking, well, I don't really want to call you afterwards. Okay, good. Fair enough. I might yeah. tell you too many truths yeah. about <laughs> my life. No, but life. you know, I'm his go-to gal. Good. I get everything. Good. Really? Interestingly. All the ups and downs, all the... There's something Amazing. about how, how, how he, boys feel towards their moms, you know? He, he and I are the most alike. Mm. I don't know if you... Yeah, he and I are the most alike. Yeah. I kind of scratch my head a little bit at my older one. I'm like, like where did where did you come from? <laughs> she and I, she's she's my dad. I mean, you were there when she was born. I was. So no, you know, you yeah, know, yeah. she gets yours. Yeah, she, yeah. There's yeah. no. Like, well, and also the the um, all the kids came out looking exactly like Peter. Those barg jeans were very okay. Were very strong. I hear that that's that's uh, very common that the babies often when they're first born look like their fathers, and it's because they're already going to have that bond with the mother because you've carried the baby the full term. But um, you know the the father isn't necessarily going to have that same immediate connection. So like that is. Um, they look so. The older two now look more like me, but the younger two are like the spitting image. Okay, up oh, here. Yeah, they're they're bar they're bar all the way. Yeah, the older two are are Kalman. Although you know, as, as kids get older, as I'm sure you've seen their their looks start to change. I'm like, my, oh yeah, my third one, Emma, who looks a lot like Peter now, looks kind of looks like my older one now. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right in the middle of creating the uh, uh, graduation video for my daughter graduated from college. Oh, that's so exciting. It's up to 10 minutes, you know, because I haven't <laughs> cut anything. No I just go in all here. of these, these photos. Are you guys doing a party? We're doing a party. And in we're, 
in yeah. Portland, oh, and uh, nice. her uh, her Portland mommies are both Jewish, mm-hmm. and uh, so, so there'll be lots of food, and it'll be on Saturday. But um, yeah, so she's done Shabbats uh, since she moved there and, and lived with them. And uh, my daughter's not a religious person per se, but she said if she were to go back to try any religion, she said that she would choose to be Jewish. And we were raised Catholic, and I raised them Catholic. But she said, I don't know, Mom, there's something about the ritual and all of that that she really I liked and identified with. But I'm like, you just be you, yeah. mm-hmm. however that what, whatever that means. Well, it's interesting to me, particularly my son, little less my daughters, he claims to be less, not so interested in dating specifically Jewish women. I think we sent our kids off to these melting pot schools Mm -hmm. and they say, well, we're really more looking for, you know, common values and common this and common interest. It's really interesting, you know, to see where, where, where they end up. And it's because for me growing up, I mean, it was Jewish or not, right? Never dawned on me to date anybody who wasn't Jewish. I mean, maybe fathers of rabbi had something. And your grandparents, both grandfathers being a rabbi and then like your... it was it was pretty clear to me that my parents would throw me off a roof if I married a non-Jew. <laughs> I mean, I, Do they write that down or they just uh, look no, at it? was the yeah. look you got. Yeah. It's interesting because it seems like you come from a pretty liberal background. Correct. You know, Very. feminist, that, like, yeah, no, exactly. but, you know. Well, no, the yeah. funny thing is, you know, my, they were happy to pay for college, happy to pay for law school, really very yeah. open. I mean, I really got an upbringing. But if you bring a Southern Baptist home, we are going to have oh. to talk. Oh. You got to get married and, you, right, you got to <laughs> <laughs> gotta get them right and gotta, gotta be that was really the only thing the, the rest only was, rule you had that's good but you know i'm pretty confident knowing my dad had i fallen in love with somebody that wasn't jewish they they're the kind like i know you'll be shocked to hear this they did not love peter at first really really because you know he wasn't a doctor he's not a lawyer he's not didn't <laughs> he's seem like a, somebody who could provide for their daughter Never he's mind. a creative right yeah, yeah, I but mean, that was yeah. fine to them you know like, yeah. what is this advertising bullshit god did they know he does improv oh that they would i think we told my mom <laughs> but when it was clear to them when we made it clear to them that we were together and we were getting married they were like okay then that's, that's great so i i was they were supportive yeah yeah they were, they were yeah. that's so great I, that's something that i take for as i deal with my children's significant others now well i feel very lucky to have met you through peter and that you stayed in st louis even Mm -hmm. though you could go to israel and you could you know go back to new york or you and peter could go anywhere really because your kids are all gone and and grown now so thanks for reminding me i I mean i didn't bring it down here at the end of the show you know flunking empty nesting that's what i tell people <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really, you know. Oh, absolutely. A delight to have a conversation with you here and learn yeah. more about your culture that I, you know, I haven't had a lot of exposure to, but I too have always been really fascinated and interested in. So thank you so much for being so sharing. My with pleasure. Us. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for coming on the show thanks. today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I look forward to coming yes. out and, uh, and uh, drinking down some down. wine and yeah. having some Shabbat yeah. dinners. Yeah, and, and there'll be prayers too. That's fine. I love I, it. That's I, great. Prayers I, and blessings. We keep fine. we keep it we keep it moving, but I, I, we, you know, we do do that. If you, I I can speak for like 10, 20 minutes if you need me to. Oh, good. Between courses. Yeah, I'm happy to. She can vamp. No problem. Good. We look forward to both of you. So here's to you. Cheers. Look high. Oh. Right, to life. To life. <laughs>